Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of Relationship Radio. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing itstartswithattraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to itstartswithattraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. You've heard about them. Maybe you've actually been in one, or maybe your marriage is being affected by one. What am I talking about? Emotional affairs. Now, we get questions all the time about, is there a difference between an emotional affair and a sexual affair? Or sometimes my spouse says, yes, he or she has been unfaithful to me, but it was an emotional affair, not a sexual affair. Therefore, I shouldn't think about it the same way. Would that be right? Should you not think about it the same way? Let's talk about it. Let's talk about the difference between emotional affairs and sexual affairs. This is Relationship Radio, an extension of Marriage Helper International. Hosted by renowned marriage and relationship expert, Dr. Joe Beam, and CEO of Marriage Helper, Kimberly Beam Holmes. We answer your questions directly with research-based principles that you can implement immediately. Regardless of the situation, what we teach will not only make your relationships better, but will also help you to become the best version of yourself along the way. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and click the bell to turn on notifications. Turn up the volume and prepare to take notes as we begin this week's episode of Relationship Radio. And the way that people think about them, there definitely are differences between what people call an emotional affair and a sexual affair. Typically, people refer to an emotional affair as one that has no physical interaction between the two people, or if some physical interaction, it's not regular sex. What I mean by that is this. We may have held hands. We may have hugged. We may even have kissed at some point, but because of the fact that we haven't done anything beyond that, no touching of the genitals, no, well, you understand what I'm saying. I don't have to go deeper into that subject, do I? And therefore, it's just an emotional affair. And then sometimes they actually will include a little bit about the fact, well, we did something, but because it wasn't regular intercourse, then still it's just an emotional thing. It's really not a sexual affair at all. Is that correct? Well, if you want to differentiate between those two, then yes, it would be correct. If you can say a sexual affair is, then obviously that's going to include whatever you consider to be sex. If you're saying it's just an emotional affair, then you're excluding whatever it is that you consider to be sex. So, for example, somebody might say, if you kissed her, that's a sexual thing. Therefore, I see that as being more than an emotional affair, whereas somebody else might put the boundary a little bit further away from that. The main difference between the three kinds of affairs I'm talking about right now would be this. One that's purely emotional without having a sexual aspect. One that's purely sexual without having an emotional aspect, or one that's a combination of both, that both emotional and sexual connection is happening with the other people. So generally speaking, those will be the differences between those three. Now, it's kind of interesting that sometimes you see uh, a difference between how men view affairs and women view affairs. For example, men often, and this would not be true of every man, of course, but men often will get more upset about the fact that the physical, the sexual is involved. 
Whereas women tend to get more upset about the fact that the emotional occurred. It really doesn't matter to me that you didn't take her to a hotel room. The fact that you had the strong emotional connection leads me to feel that you have violated our relationship. You have cheated on me. Now, I understand I said tendencies there. Both men and women can go different on that. But those are some of the distinctions we sometimes see between the sexes. So the question sometimes comes up, well, does one necessarily lead to the other? So, for example, if you're having a sexual affair, will it become emotional? Not necessarily, no. Well, what if you have an emotional affair? Would it become sexual? Not necessarily. I remember interacting with a lady, this was several years ago, who had been involved with another guy emotionally for a number of years and yet had never even kissed the man. Now, they would sneak away. They'd get into a car and meet each other someplace, and she'd get into his car where they'd meet, and they would sit there and sometimes talk for hours very intimately, very openly, and she said that she was definitely in love with him, but would not so much as let him touch her, not even a caress of her face. And so it can be emotional. It doesn't become sexual. It can become sexual, which is really all about sex. It's really not about emotions at all. That would be the kind of thing that uh, we would sometimes refer to as the short-lived affair, that it's really about the sex. It's not about the connection between the two people. And then there's that third kind of thing, and that's what we call limerence. And that's when it's both an emotional and a sexual affair. Now, limerence can be just emotional without sexual. But that's a distinction we don't need to get into right now. Right now, when I'm talking about limerence, Generally, it involves a very deep emotional connection to the other person and quite often involves a sexual aspect as well. And if you say, does that always happen? No. As I said, it can just be emotional, still be limerence. But if it's both physical and emotional, it can be an extremely powerful thing called limerence. Now, you can find out a whole lot more about limerence by going to our website at marriagehelper.com. That's marriagehelper, marriagehelper.com. And you can find articles and videos and audios about limerence or on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash marriagehelper, all one long word, marriagehelper. We have hundreds of videos on that site that are free that you can go to and find out more about these things. And so if you think about these different things I'm talking about, could be just emotional, which can also be a kind of limerence, could be just physical, which is primarily sexual and almost never, never limerence, or the third where it's both, which almost always then is definitely limerence. And again, you can find out more about that and the other things that we do. That maybe gives you some understanding between the three different kinds of affairs when it comes to emotional and sexual and that kind of thing. Now, sometimes people say, well, then can we get past it? If my spouse has had an emotional affair with somebody else, or if I am having an emotional affair with somebody else, is there any way we can grow past this? And the answer is absolutely. No, I cannot guarantee you that you will, because it's going to be based on the decision that you make and whatever decision your spouse makes. And also, not just the decision, but what you do. There are certain things that you can do that will lead to overcoming an emotional affair or even a sexual affair and putting your marriage back together, making it stronger than it was before. If you do those things, but sometimes even if you make a decision that that's what you want, if you don't do the right things, it winds up falling apart. 
anyway. And in the process of putting a marriage back together, if there's been either an emotional, physical, or a combination thereof, affair between two people, is it okay then to ask the other person to do things so that you can trust him or her again? Yes. As a matter of fact, that gets very involved, and there's more that we can talk about in this short video. But it's the kind of thing that you can do where you say, help me trust you. Now, I'll give us some examples of those things that I've been talking about when I answer a couple of questions during this program. For those of you who are regular viewers of Relationship Radio or perhaps listening to it on a podcast, you're wondering, where is Kimberly Holmes? Because typically I, Dr. Joe Beam, and Kimberly do these things together. Kimberly is the leader of organization. She's the CEO. She's the one that keeps us going in the right direction to do the right things. But as I'm recording these episodes, she's off working on her Ph.D., which I'm very happy about her doing. I earned my Ph.D. a few years ago, but, you know. I'm 149 years old now, so we need more people on our staff that get more and more education. And so that's why she's not here. She's working on her doctorate degree at the moment. Now, the first question we look at is this. My spouse admitted that he's unhappy and often attracted to other women. I found out that he was starting an emotional affair with another woman. We're separated now, and he lives in the same city as the other woman. He says that he's happier now. Do emotional affairs always become physical? I've already decided that I will not take him back if it becomes sexual. As I've already stated, no. An emotional affair does not necessarily lead to being a physical affair. Now, you can tell from the young lady who asked this question that she's quite upset about the fact that it might turn sexual. As a matter of fact, she emphatically said, if it turns sexual, I'm not taking him back. Well, that's certainly her right. She can make that decision if he's been unfaithful to her. As it used to be said, if he commits adultery, which is being unfaithful to your spouse, then you certainly have a right to do something about that if you wish, including divorcing the other person. And if that's her choice, that's her choice. At the same time, when I listen to that question, it appears to me that she still loves him. Now, obviously, she's hurt. That came through very clearly. She's in pain, but she still cares about him. And so may I give a couple of things to consider here? Okay. Is it really going to be that much worse? And if it is in your mind, then that's okay. I'm not trying to convince you otherwise. But is it really worse that he'll have a sexual affair in addition to having an emotional affair? Now, if you say, yes, that's a bigger deal. It crosses a boundary that I'm not going to let anything happen after that. It's all over. Then it's your right. But may I point out the possibility of thinking that the emotional affair really is already a violation of the covenant, the contract he has with you because of the fact that in marriage, it should be that the person we're closest to emotionally is our husband or wife. Obviously, the only person we should be having sex with will be our husband or wife, but also the things that we talk about. You see, in the social sciences, when we talk about intimacy, we don't mean sex. We mean openness, transparency, vulnerability, where I let you see into my soul and you let me see into your soul. And we make that extremely strong emotional bond. Now, I'm not trying to scare you, make you think even worse about emotional affairs, but I'm trying to help you understand really what an emotional affair is. It's a stronger and deeper connection than even if they do have sex with each other. Now, that's not to discourage you. It's just to help you understand that saying, well, it was just emotional, therefore not sexual, and and therefore it's not so bad. Well, it is. It is bad. 
But as I said earlier, it can be overcome. Understanding that one thing that's going to have to happen if you put this back together is that, of course, your spouse eventually stops that sharing, that openness, that transparency, that vulnerability, where they let the other person see into their soul. And if there are physical things taking place, like a sexual affair, a physical affair, then obviously those things have to stop as well. And so saying, okay, but this is my line, fine. You want a line, you can have that line, and we would not look down on you in any shape, fashion, or form. Even if we did, what would it matter? What's important is what's important to you. But I'm telling you the fact that an emotional affair is taking place is not something you should just blow off thinking, well, at least it's not sexual. It's probably more intimate than sexual. Now, I realize as I'm saying all these things, somebody's saying, Dr. Beam, you just convinced me to divorce my spouse. That's not what I'm trying to do at all. I'm trying to let you know that these things happen because of the fact that a spouse lets himself or herself develop a relationship with someone else where that that kind of sharing can take place. And so in a couple of episodes, I'm going to talk more about how that happens. How does it occur? And if you want to put the marriage back together, can you? Yes. Will you be hurt that your spouse shared either body, mind, heart, or soul with the other person? Sure you will. It'll hurt a lot, but it can be overcome. And the most fascinating part of it is that you can actually be closer to each other than you ever were before, not because of the bad thing that happened, but because of what each of you will learn from the bad thing that happened. But we have another question about it as well. My husband told me he was starting to have feelings for a woman he works with. He said that he ended the conversation with her. Later, I discovered they had continued to talk. I'm full of anxiety knowing that he's still communicating with her. How do I start trusting my husband again after an emotional affair? And stop secretly checking his phone when I feel insecure. Rebuilding trust can be a difficult thing. I mean, when you think about it here, I gave you my trust in the sense that I felt that I'm secure in my relationship with you, that nothing or no one is going to come between the two of us. And when you develop that kind of security with another person and then that person violates that security, violates that trust, it hurts. It hurts deeply. It also leads to a violation of expectations. Well, I thought this is what our life together was going to be like, and now that's no more. And it's a loss. I mean, what we had, we don't have anymore because of what you did. And it's extremely painful. And I understand why that a person in that situation would say, how can I ever trust him or trust her again? Is it doable? Yes. But not in the way that this lady is trying to do it. Now, she knows what she's doing is not working. That's why she said, how can I stop doing that? You say, well, what do you mean, Dr. Beam? I mean this. She's prying by looking into his phone. She's doing other kinds of things. We know if people have had uh, GPSs in the spouse's car so they can know wherever he or she goes. And when I say hidden, meaning the other spouse doesn't know about it at all, sometimes they'll put trackers on the other person's phone that the other person doesn't know about. Sometimes they will sneak into the other person's email, into the other person's text messages, as she says here. And what we have learned over the years is this, that if you do that, and then you confront your spouse with the information you gathered surreptitiously, secretly, sneakily, if you confront them with that, then almost always the reaction is not, oh, you caught me. I'm so very sorry. Instead, almost always it's how dare you? 
violate my privacy. And and you think about it and you say, well, that's kind of ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> the fact that I caught him or caught her doing these things proves that they're the one who's being unfaithful. And how dare they look at me and try to blame it on me? But you understand you're not dealing with logic. You're dealing with emotions. And so when she says, how can I stop doing those kinds of things? Well, I can't come over to your house and sit with you and make sure that you don't do them. <laughs> I guess I could, but, you know, there are millions of people out there, so maybe that becomes impossible to do in the long run. I'm not Santa Claus. Or even if you think, okay, I'll get my best friend, and my best friend, either he or she, they can do that for me and make sure I don't do all those things. Well, not unless they're with you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Somewhere along the line, you have to decide to be self-disciplined. Like, if I know this is what's going to happen, then why would I do it? And I ask that question to people all the time. And so if he catches you looking into his phone, if she finds out that you hid the GPS in her car, what kind of reaction do you expect? Well, he or she's probably going to get really angry and we're going to wind up having a big fight. Mm -hmm. So what does that accomplish? Well, at least now my spouse knows that I know. Hmm. What else do you expect it to accomplish? Do you think he's going to make them change their mind about the other person? I mean, you might be thinking, is that a possibility? Anything's possible. But is that probable? Is that likely what's going to occur? No. You see, the best way to rebuild trust, that's what she's asking about, how can we build, rebuild trust, is to actually say to the spouse, I'm hurt. And because of the fact that I am hurt, I need some assurances. And so would you agree to the following things? Now, it may be, would you agree that I get to look at your text messages? It may be, would you put a tracker on your phone so I don't have to worry about where you are? It could be, if you're going to be 10 minutes late, would you call me and tell me why and where you're going to be? It could be, if you're having lunch with somebody, could you just take a snapshot on your phone and send it to me so I know that's what's happening? Now, it could be any number of things, but I recommend that you make as few as possible. And don't get really upset and angry if your spouse doesn't agree to one. For example, I need to see all the text messages in your phone. Now, if that were happening right now to Alice and me, I would have to say, I want to be open and transparent. I want you not to worry about me at all, but I can't do that because there are clients who text me. And by showing you what they write, then I have violated their confidentiality and that's unethical. I can't do that. So let's find something else. What else can I do to demonstrate to you that I am being trustworthy? Now, together, you can figure those things out. Now, if you're thinking, well, what if my spouse won't agree to anything? Then, of course, that's a problem. Because you're going to be thinking he or she is hiding something, and they may be, they may not be. You won't be able to know because of the fact that you won't get the reassurance that you're requesting. And that's when that you'd have to make some kind of decision. Well, if he or she's not going to agree to do things that can help me trust again, what do I want to do about that? Do I want to just forget it and let it go, or do I want to draw a line in the sand? Now, if you're thinking, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to draw that line in the sand. Then I'm saying, please consider whether or not it's the right line to draw. Or because of the fact that you've been hurt, that this is a deeply painful experience for you, might that be leading you to draw a line 
in a place where it's just going to be treating the other person as if he or she is a child. If so, then that's not going to work very well either. So you might be thinking, so what's your point, Dr. Bean? Okay. Rebuilding trust is essential. If you're going to put the marriage back together, it has to happen. And you can definitely ask for things without a doubt. But I would recommend don't push too fast. Give the other person some time to heal from what they're going through. I know. I know you're thinking, I don't want him or her to heal. I want him or her to stop. I understand that. I really do. But if indeed they've been strongly emotionally connected to another person, ending it like that is not going to happen. I mean, it could, like I said, anything's possible, but it's highly, highly unlikely. And so, yes, you can rebuild trust, but it's going to require the cooperation of your spouse. And if he or she refuses to cooperate, my first recommendation is give a little time. Then if he or she continues to refuse to cooperate, you have to decide what you're willing to live with and what you're not willing to live with. But I have a lot more to say about this. So don't be making conclusions right now. Just be gathering information. And over the next two episodes of Relationship Radio, I'm going to be talking more about emotional affairs and sexual affairs, physical affairs, and the kinds of things that lead to them, how they happen, and how the couple together can get past them. So even though I might be saying some things that are kind of hard to hear right now and upsetting you, and I'm sorry to upset you, Don't be making hard and fast decisions yet. There's a lot more material I wish to share with you. Now, this point is when Kimberly will typically come along and say, let me give you the primary takeaways from this episode. Well, she's not here. She's off working on her PhD. And so I had to write them down ahead of time. I'm not as quick as she is on these things. So here's some takeaways. There is a difference between an emotional affair and a sexual affair. And one does not necessarily lead to the other, but it could. A strong emotional connection could lead to a sexual affair. A sexual affair could lead to a strong emotional connection. And when both of those are occurring, almost always they're in a state that we call limerence that you can find out a lot more about on our website and by going to our YouTube channel. And also understand that if you're going to overcome an emotional affair, If you and your spouse together are going to overcome that emotional affair, then it means that you have to regrow the emotional connection between the two of you. Now, I didn't explain in detail how to do that in this episode, but understand that as we continue to go through Relationship Radio, you'll see various ways to do that. As a matter of fact, there's something you might want to do right now. You see on the screen that we offer a thing called an Affair Recovery Toolkit. And there's one for the spouse who has been cheated on. There's another for the spouse who has done the cheating. And you see the links for both of those there. Now, it is something that you would need to purchase, but it's very reasonably priced. And if you say, well, Dr. Beam, I can't wait and go through a whole lot of future episodes. I need some more answers right now. Then I'd recommend that you get the toolkit that's applicable to you, either as the spouse who's being cheated on or the one who's doing the cheating. And the final takeaway from this is, It is okay. It's definitely okay to ask for trust building actions. May I see your phone? May I check your email? May I put a GPS in the car? Just understand the person may not agree to all those things. 
And sometimes they might not even agree to any of those things, but it's quite right to ask for those things. And if over time, as the other person is healing, he or she continues to refuse to do that, then you'll have to make some kind of decision. Well, let's think for a moment about the next episode. You see, the question often comes to us, what are the different stages of an emotional affair? I mean, how do they happen? Where do they come from? Does it mean that it's my fault, that something I didn't do for my spouse, that's what led him or her to the emotional affair? Or is it altogether their fault and I have no responsibility or blame for it at all? Those are some interesting questions we need to look at. And we'll do that in the very next episode of Relationship Radio. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Relationship Radio. Please refer to the notes in the description to learn more about any resources mentioned in this episode. Please visit our website at marriagehelper.com for more information about our online courses, marriage workshops, and coaching. If you would like immediate help for your marriage situation, then click on the link on the screen to schedule a free marriage strategy call with one of our team members. We exist to help save marriages and strengthen families. We look forward to interacting with you on the next episode of Relationship Radio.